Welcome to episode two of the Smalls Talk podcast. Nothing small about this podcast aside from the name. Today with us, we have Dom Lamorta, former 1,000-point scorer from Alfred University turned professional basketball skills trainer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The views, information, or opinions expressed today are solely the views of the individuals involved, including today's guests, and does not represent absolute facts and should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or medical intervention. Such views are the views of individuals and do not represent the official opinion of the International OCD Foundation. So, again, we have a great guest today, Dom Lamorta, professional basketball skills trainer, owner and founder of different official, uh, his own brand, his own company um, that does leagues, uh, does skills training for, you know, is giving back to uh, the Capital Region with the game of basketball. Uh, He's worked with hundreds of clients, including players ranging from the NBA, Division One, all the way down to, you know, first graders. So he has a large range of clients and, and worked with a multitude of athletes, former a thousand point scorer himself, 2019 empire eight conference MVP and all East region first team player at Alfred university. Uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on down. We appreciate it. Having you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we'll kind of dive in here. Um, you know, you, you had, I remember you reaching out to me and said, when I had posted a video, uh, I did a, a documentary, uh, with hear my story company, uh, you know, about, a year ago and we had we had only met briefly here and there you know in passing through people through mutual friends mm-hmm. and i remember you reaching out and saying dude this resonates with me so much and i couldn't believe it because you know instagram is so not reality right like, <laughs> you see certain things on instagram and that's why I, you know i tell a lot of a lot of athletes and a lot of people struggling in the mental health community that mm-hmm. listen like limit your time on social media it's it's the highlights of things, right? Nobody yeah. posts the lowlights of their life on on a social media for everybody to see. And I mean, that's what I'm trying to do is is be you know as authentic and real as possible, just so people do see that I have lowlights and and not just post the highlights. But the the fact of the matter is that like you, you have a brand to build. You have to post hyped up things and and exciting things all the time. Yeah. So. To see that that my story resonated with you was was one just personally made me feel not feel less alone because in the, in this area right I don't know anybody else that 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 is dealing with the same things as me and right. so you know I can go to these conferences the IOCF national conferences and speak and you know I have hundreds of people to talk to about what I deal with every every day but when you're going through it daily life, it's a lot different. You don't have those people necessarily to, to rely on and call on, especially in person. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, tell us a little bit about your start and um, growing up high school, you know, when did you realize that you might be dealing with some, something uh, of a mental health disorder or some sort of mental health challenges along the way. And mm-hmm. when you realized that you were struggling. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, it started from a really, really young age. Um, and my story kind of, um, it kind of hits different areas. It's been, it's, it's hit a bunch of different areas, not just sports. So it kind of started with me. It was kind of like a separation from my parents. Every time my parents left the house, it was, if they don't come back right when they said, if they don't answer the phone, whatever it was, it, it scared me to death. So mm. started there. And then I kind of went into my younger days at school. Um, I had a couple episodes health wise where I, I fainted and stuff like that. And going back to school for me was really hard because I was scared about fainting in front of people and, and being claustrophobic in the mm. classroom and stuff like that. So my seventh, eighth grade year, I didn't actually even play basketball my eighth grade year because I couldn't wow. even make it to school. Um, and if you know me, you know how big. Right. You're, I mean, you're on the court every day, I mean, seven days a week, seven days a week. Yeah. So it was it was really hard for me to go back to school. I couldn't really sit in the classroom and without being antsy, I had to go out of the classroom for 10 to 15 minutes at a time. And the teachers are like, where are you going? Da, 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 da. And for me, it was always like embarrassing because they didn't understand what I was dealing with. You know what I mean? I had to yeah. go out there and, and kind of like breathe for my life because I'm sitting there and scared what's going to happen and whatever. So um, then I got into high school. I had a really good, successful high school career. If you look up like what we did, it was super, super impressive. Um, right, right. Won a state championship. I mean, I only lost two games in high school. So, like on the surface, you see that and you're like, well, those guys had it figured out and stuff right. like that. And that whole time I was battling, like it was bad. You know, my junior year, I had a really good year where it didn't bother me as much. And then I came into my senior year and it was kind of like a performance anxiety mm. it, um, mixed with the OCD. Now at this point, it's it's funny because I used to go and see some professionals and stuff like that to kind of right. figure out, you know, what am I dealing with? Stuff like that. And they had always just told me, Hey, it's just a generalized anxiety disorder. Right. So for me, it's like, okay, this is normal. You know what I mean? Like everybody right. deals with anxiety. So I'm like, I, I got to fight through this, but in the back of my head, I knew this wasn't normal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I know this wasn't a normal thing. So no. I got into my senior year, um, my, my last year. Um, and I actually started the year off like crap. I played like, awful i couldn't make shots i was having a hard time literally to the point where i had a hard time like breathing on the floor like people didn't know this like i would walk on right. the floor and i'm playing i'm talking and i'm like literally like right i think that's like breath. i think not to cut you off i mean i think i think that's, that's one of the the hardest parts about about mental health is that it's not visible necessarily to the to the naked eye and we're yeah. you're you're actually working twice i know when i was in high school just academically i was labeled by teachers as lazy Mm -hmm. because I was not, I was tardy to class and I was not getting assignments in on time. And, yeah. and here I am working double time to get past compulsions and obsessions that are literally bogging me down and debilitating me. But yeah. they, what they see is, oh, he walked into class 17 minutes late and he has his head down, his hood up because he's, and he looks tired and disengaged. Yeah. But really, I had just stayed up all night trying to get the assignment done because my OCD had literally kept me from doing the assignment for, for seven days straight. That's the truth, man. You sit there and you're, you're not only like trying to battle everything you're doing with on a daily basis, but you're also like fighting against yourself. So it's double the work Correct. to just get, you know, everything done that the normal person would have to get done. So, um, yeah. So like that last year I started off like crap, had a really, really hard time. I was actually going to be taken out of the starting lineup because I just wasn't producing. And I said, you know what? Like I, I'm all like a team guy. You know me, I'm a team guy. I want us to win right. and stuff like that. So I said, you know what, coach, like got to do what you got to do at the end of the day. And all my teammates kind of rallied around me. Like he's going to be fine. You know what I mean? He puts the work in stuff like that. He's always here. He's going to, to figure it out. So we actually got to sectionals my senior year 
And the first game we played, it was on a big stage at Hudson Valley. Um, and there's a bunch of people there. So we were the number one team in the state at this point. I mean, super hard to balance it in front of all these people. I had times before the games where I'm sitting there in the locker room by myself, shaking headphones in and they walk in like, what is he doing? Why is he the only one here? And I'm like, I'm just trying to get myself to some mental place where I'm able to produce for us. You know what I mean? Right. And help the team to end up winning. So we ended up going on, um, had a really good year, but, um, then I went to college and college actually was the worst that it's ever gotten. Um, I was in a dorm room by myself because I had to be by myself. I couldn't be around other people because this stuff, you have to like take a step away and kind of 100%. give yourself time to like unfold yeah. and get everything off you, you know? There's been a lot of stigma around OCD, especially as like, I'm so OCD. I like to clean, but you know, for our listeners that don't know what OCD is, um, it stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. It's a, it's been voted top 10 most debilitating mental health disorders in, in the world um, for about 20 years straight. And mm -hmm. it can, it can actually completely take control of your life. And it usually for a lot of people, it does. So um, from when I was at my worst, I was diagnosed when I was 15. Um, like I shared last, last episode, uh, diagnosed when I was 15 and my, whole athletic career was taken away from me because of that. And I had to watch, you know, through the windows as other kids played, played sports. And, and I was in treatment. I was taking medication and, and going to exposure response therapy treatment two times a week. And, and uh, you know, I was having house visits to my therapist because I, w I couldn't leave the house. So it's a very, very debil debilitating mental health disorder. And because of the stigma around OCD, from the media of, of being cleanly clean, uh, clean and, and just liking cleanliness and organization, people don't take it as seriously as, you know, schizophrenia or, or bipolar disorder. And so a lot of times when athletes come out and talk about their obsessive compulsive disorder, it leads the media to say, Oh, well he got up another 1500 shots because he liked the number 15. I mean, like that can't be bad for him. Right. It's just extra work. And that, but understand that him doing that extra work is one taking away from recovery. So as a performance coach, like, and from, as a high level athlete, you know, how important recovery is. Oh yeah. Right. And so it's taking away from recovery mentally and physically. And then two, that work that you're putting in isn't really conscious work because you're really focusing on the obsessive, obsessive thoughts and the compulsion that goes with it the whole time. You're getting you're there for a relief. On, on getting that elbow up and really following through. You're focusing yeah. on, you know, for me, my thought was I'm terrified my parents are going to die in a car accident while I'm away. Mm -hmm. And I would do compulsions in, in numbers of 14s and 28s just because I like those two numbers and I would do it until it felt just right, which would end up taking me 12 hours out of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. So understand that, you know, to our, to our listeners, what seems like, Oh, extra work is actually debilitating work. That's actually taking away from the actual process of getting better. And what we talk about a lot within in our anxiety and athletes, uh, you know, task forces, what's the difference between perfectionism and, and the pursuit of excellence, right? The pursuit of excellence is a process and a journey that that's in, that should be enjoyable. Those will be hardships, but should be enjoyable. Perfectionism is going to really tear you down. Mm -hmm.
Um, so obviously you probably dealt with a, a ton of perfectionism subtype of OCD because you were trying to hone your craft so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was to the point where, sorry, my girlfriend was just saying goodbye to me. Um, <laughs> sitting there like staring at her, but I can't really turn my head while you're talking. Um, <laughs> good. No, I mean, I mean, it's, it's to the point where like, like you said, like I would be in the gym, literally putting up, like you said, thousands of shots, thousands of shots. And I'm sitting there like, is my elbow under the ball the right way? Is it this way? There's a certain amount of shots I have to reach before. And if I don't, like I was saying to you as you were doing this, and I did try not to interrupt you, but I, I feel that. And I'm like, I want to answer. It's yeah. like, a, for me, it was always a relief. Mm-hmm. I get to that number and now I'm okay with myself to walk out of the gym. If I didn't get to that number, I wasn't okay with myself. Right. I right. couldn't, I couldn't, if I didn't get to a thousand shots, if I didn't get to 500 made shots, I literally would go home and I would not be in a good mood. I, w- I would come into practice the next day and my, my whole like confidence to everything was just like, it's not there because I didn't get to that number. I didn't work this amount of hours. So it's it, like you said, the perfectionism and stuff like that, it's debilitating. You know what I mean? Because you get to a certain point where your body is so messed up. You don't recover the right way. And you go into practice the next day because you were in the gym for six hours. Your knees are sore. You know what I mean? You didn't even take a break. I have up until, let me tell you something, up, up until this year as a human being, forget athletics. I, I, I still don't know. You can ask anybody. I don't know how to relax. I literally yeah. have no idea. Like I can't sit like my girlfriend hates me. I can't sit here and watch a movie <laughs> for more than 20 minutes without getting up and going to the bathroom or, or cause I can't sit there because my thoughts are just going, how can I get better at this? How can I get better at this? What's happening here? Is my, is my mom? Okay. Is my dad? It's just constant, man. Like and yeah, it's, for sure. You just have to find that, like that, thing in you that just says okay like if i don't get to this number it's okay right you have to be able to i was just watching this with demar Derozan. i don't know if you saw it on jj reddick's podcast you take that step back and jj reddick was saying i haven't worked basketball i haven't worked out in a year since he's retired and he's like i'm okay with that i've finally gotten to the point and now this guy is i mean he's almost 40 years old probably and he's just figuring it out you know what i mean and that's not even someone that deals with ocd imagine how it's how it is with someone that's constantly, constantly, that you got to be okay with. It doesn't have to be perfect every time. Right, right. No, it's 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 unbelievable. And I think, especially in a college realm, I, at the more elite level that you get as an yeah. athlete, I think, I don't think coaches really help the situation. No. <laughs> like, like to them, you're putting it, you're, they're, you're putting in work. So they're like, yeah, just keep going, keep going yeah. more, more, more. They always think more is better and more is not better. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And I don't necessarily blame coaches because not everybody and not, not a lot of people know about this type of stuff. Man. Right. Like you have to really be in this experience to understand it right. because right. if you don't understand it, man, there's no way that when I talk to you and tell you that you're going to relate to it, it's just something that you can't really explain sometimes. Right. And that's Pretty why with, with my coach in college, he saw me, I mean, he said he said it in a clip that um, right after my career ended. He's the hardest work I've ever seen in any team I've coached, any team I've been a part of, any team I played with. He said he's the hardest work I've ever seen, and he knew that, but he didn't understand why right. I would do all this stuff. I would go into practice or pickup, and I would I would absolutely dominate, and then we would get into the game, and it was totally different. He would pull me into the office. He said, "Well, listen, you got to be comfortable." This is as I go, coach. 
here's what I deal with. And you're trying to explain it the best you can where they can right. kind of resonate, but there's no really, there's not a word to explain, like, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm yeah. feeling. So he, he gradually understood as my career went on that the more freedom and the more, um, just the more relaxed you can make somebody, the, the, the better they're going to be. So like, if I miss a shot, I don't feel like I, I messed up so bad that like I'm coming out of the game right away. You know what I mean? And I think For that's sure. something as coaches, when you get to that highest level, you have to understand and go through the hardships with players when you know, like, this is somebody that puts in the time, somebody that's shown me that they can do it. So I got to trust them and say, okay, they're going to have bad days. They're going to have good days. But can you make them feel like they're comfortable with you? You right, know what I mean? Where right. they can come to you and say, listen, I'm having a bad day. I'm just mentally like, I'm just messed up today, coach. Like, and, and that's the my senior year. I had such a good year in college because I could go to him and say, here's what I'm feeling. He could say, hey, if you're not feeling this, this, and this, like, just relax. Take a break. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take yourself take yourself back. You don't need to go through this drill and this drill if you need to take a step. You know what I mean? And that's what kind of made me take off with everything because I felt like I was comfortable within my situation. You know what I mean? I had for somewhere sure. to go. So for that's sure. Yeah. Thing. I mean, it's building that trust with a coach for sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it goes such a long way. And um, I think coaches aren't always equipped with the tools to, to understand these types of things either. No. I think as a society and as an athletic society, we need to do a better job. And obviously that's what we're trying to do here. And what I'm trying to do with anxiety and athletes is, is give those educational resources and those, those uh, tools to coaches and to administration and to, you know, teammates and, and to athletes to have a platform to share their story and to, for coaches to understand how they can support athletes that are struggling with mental health. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it just goes, it's, it's a whole intertwined circle that, um, just needs to be put on a, a higher pedestal. It's the, I, in my opinion, man, I think it's the most undervalued thing in sports. Yeah. I don't think it's even close. And people say, well, well, this guy's in shape and he, he puts in the work, but he's not performing. Or there's so many different reasons when you, you know, just as well as I do, when you get into a sport, man, it's so much mental, like oh, gosh, so yeah. many, a part of it. If you don't have confidence in yourself, it don't, it doesn't matter what else you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they no, need 100%. to, the, at every single level, whether it's college, high school, like, part of your practices and part of your like day by day process, like you need to start putting in mental health days or an hour where they can take a yoga class or meditate or like, and you would see your team and your players take off because you're giving them time to recover. Well, that's, that's another thing with, with athletes in general, with all this extra work. I mean, I think the burnout is, is so high. And obviously you work with, you know, you were telling me you work with some first graders, second graders, you know, younger kids, what do you see with, with burnout? Um, you know, we'll transition back to, to your story in a little bit, but like, what do yeah. you see with burnout with, with kids nowadays? I mean, I feel like early specialization in sport and, and the amount of hours they're putting in can get, can get to them a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think from, from my experience anyway, a lot of people now these days are, are taking their kids and saying, okay, you're going to be a basketball player, mm -hmm. right? Like that's what you're doing from fourth grade on to whenever, and whatever we do, we're going to AU tournaments, we're going to training, we're going to practices, we got three games this weekend and whatever, Massachusetts, and then we're going to start it all over again the next week. And, and what they don't understand is, man, is they don't give their kids a chance to, like, decompress and experience other things. You know what I mean? Like, right. any any parent that comes into the gym and says, hey, like, it's been tough to get him in because we got baseball and we got this. And I say, listen, what grade is he in? 
or what what grade is she in? Yeah, and they'll say sixth. And I'm like, let me be honest with you. It doesn't matter what they do, truthfully. Me and and my partner talk about this all the time until they get to tenth grade anyway. Oh, I get that. You know what I mean? Like they colleges can't start recruiting you. They can't right. offer you a scholarship. So let them experience. Go play baseball in Cooperstown. Go to a tournament here, and then the next weekend, let them go play basketball. Let them let them have fun, man. They got to have a life. You got to go through this, and that's the one thing for me. Like, I regret. Like, I was a baseball player as well, and I stopped playing in like eighth, ninth grade because basketball became my life. Mm-hmm. And I I go back now, and I'm like, I wish I could have played a couple more seasons. You know, yeah, I mean? my sure. friends we were really we were just as good in baseball growing up like that's what we started with we were all together we were just as good in baseball as we were in basketball like in high school we had a really good group so like the coaching was kind of when we got into high school wasn't as good so we were like ah we don't know if we want to do it but going back to the kids man it's just like let them experience multiple different things so they can find out what they love it might not be basketball you force them to do it you got to let them do what they love let them find that first and then they're going to naturally want to go to the gym or want to go lift or do it by themselves. Then you don't even have to worry about pushing them. That's where you find like the real, real athletes. And if you, there's a Kobe, I'm a huge Kobe guy. I'll probably talk yep. about Kobe a hundred times, but there was a video I talked about or I saw about Kobe the other day that somebody posted. And they said, what separates like the, the, the greats from like the good players in the NBA? Like, what's the one thing? And he said, the love. He said the love, the natural love, it doesn't mean it has nothing to do with the money, nothing to do with the fame, nothing to do with anything. It's just I want to go play basketball. This is what I want to do. I want to get better at it for myself, not for anybody else, not for my parents. Like this is what I love doing. And I think that's what parents skip over is like you got to let the kid love it first before you make them love it. I mean, let let them find what they want to love and then they're naturally going to take off with it. So, right. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. I mean, also just from a, a movement perspective, like from, you know, I could say from a physiology yeah. uh, perspective, it's better to play multiple sports. You're, you're, you're going to decrease your risk of injury. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn how to move in different ways that yeah. one sport might not teach you. And you're going to, your hand-eye coordination is going to get better and your, your motor, motor skills are going to get better because, you're playing and moving in different ranges in different ranges of motion and different planes and mo- planes of motion. So it is beneficial to play, to play multiple sports, especially at, you know, the, the age of six, seven, eighth, when you're, you know, some kids might not be as co- coordinated in middle school as they are in high school. I mean, mm-hmm. shit, I'm not even coordinated yet. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, unless it's a barbell, I don't think I'm, I'm even that coordinated. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's just, it really is very, very important to, to remember that, um kids deserve to have a a childhood and a a life and um like go play outside <laughs> like go go throw a football around go throw a baseball around like go when do you ever see that anymore it's crazy man i i just it's all Fortnite and oh you, my I god i put that on i tweeted that like probably a month back i said why is it such a hard thing to find a pickup basketball game I for know. kids of all ages, like even my age now, like so many people, like I do my leagues because of that reason. Right. Because all these people are like, like I want to play, man, but there's nowhere to play. The YMCA, empty. You go to this place, empty. You got to find like, and then you, and then you have people commit and then they're like, oh, I don't really want. I'm like, for me, I'm in love with basketball. You, I could talk about basketball all day. I'm like, it's the best sport in the world for me personally. Why can't we find 10 people that want to play in right. the capital region? You know what I mean? And that's why it's just like, 
it, it, it's it, it aggravates me because like like you said it's Fortnite and it's on the phones and stuff like that and i'm not saying i don't go on my phone and do all that stuff too right, right. but but there's a balance for me like yeah work sure. comes first i go enjoy that and then when it's time to relax you know what i mean i'll i'll pick up the phone a little bit because you got to stay stay with the times also you no know I mean? for sure so, i mean especially when you're building you're building a brand and you're building a business and um you know i mean i think it's it's you have to stay with it i mean it's important right you, you're building your own brand and you have to I'm not going to sit here on a high horse and say, I don't go on social media. Like, I'm active on Instagram and right. I like connecting on with that kind of stuff. But to see kids like just, you know, I, I drive around and I, I in neighborhoods and, I, um, you know, I drive through a neighborhood and there's no kids outside playing outside. And it's like, what? This is I crazy. Used to, we used to literally be out and I don't like to put myself on a high horse, like you said, but we used to literally play two on two in the snow. <laughs> yeah. We would have gloves on. We couldn't even dribble the Shooting ball. Shooting with gloves is like yeah. We wouldn't even impossible. we wouldn't even dribble the ball because you couldn't dribble the ball. But we would play two on two and just like wreck each other into right, the snowbanks right. and stuff like that. But it's like okay, we got outside. We did a little basketball, and now we can go in and do what we want. You know? You're listening to the Smalls Talk podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. For you. You know, over your, how old are you? I'm 25, about to be 26 at the end of the year, November. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for your 20, 25, almost 26 years, what's some of the, the, you know, the best advice you've received as an athlete, as a, as a human being, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, for me, for me, it was always just like, always keep, um, whatever for, for me it was like I always wanted to be uh whatever it was like I wanted to play overseas after school some things happened where it was a mix-up but I always wanted to do this basketball training thing um and it was always just keep whatever's important to you the most and what you love the most and what you think about every day the most like on top of everything else when you go mm -hmm. through so much change in your life you know what I mean as you grow up um like what's really important to you and and I say like this this is probably the the most important thing for me, as someone that's dealt with a lot of mental health issues um, throughout my my life and my career, mm. on the days where you don't feel like doing stuff and and stuff like that, I always made it a point to like, because it's so easy to just sit in your room and, and kind of dwell over things. Go do something that's going to better yourself in some way. Does that necessarily mean you're on the court or you're in the weight room or whatever it is? No, but go do something and force yourself to be productive. You know yeah. what I mean? Some sort of way. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be go extra on the, the shots or be in the weight room and lift heavy weights because that's no, it could not be, always It could be literally thing. be work on your recovery. Go like for me, it was for me, what was productive, like you say, is recovery. Like go take 45 minutes and do something where your mind is off the game. Right. Right. And be productive with, okay, like I'm going to focus on this task, whether it's, I mean, whatever it is. And then that is something that helped me because I could mentally take my mind off of the things that I obsessed over and I compulsed over. And that for me was recovery. Right. You know what I mean? I could be doing something totally not even like athletic. I don't have to, but it's so good for your mind and your body. Like, so on those days where you don't feel like doing anything, definitely take a step back from what you're doing, but also be productive and don't sit there and do nothing. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's, that's something that I, I definitely resonated with. Like, I've had days, man, like doing the training stuff where I'm like, man, I don't even feel like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. I'm there every single day. 
I got people hitting me up like I want to get to the gym. I want to get a gym. I did the I just did four workouts, two groups, <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm like, I just want to go home and watch the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you got somebody setting you up. It's like there's people out there too that that want to improve. So you got to go and and you just got to do it, man. Because yeah, for sure. No, I mean then, I I mean it's funny you say you talk about being on the court for so. I actually um, I stopped training where I work. I uh, you know I, I'm on a weightlifting team nearby and have you know I get coached by this this national this uh, national coach mm-hmm. and. I train with their with with all the all the athletes over there and and all the other weightlifters over there and I go strictly there four times a week because training I was trying to just separate you know the, my love for for my sport of weightlifting mm-hmm. and with competing now and and doing all these things I, I want to make sure that I'm at my best during every training session instead of being here and worrying about work or worrying about you know different things that I just, it's just the separation was. I saw results like that. Like it just was, it was so interesting to me. It was, I need to separate where I work and where, you know, because you, know, you got to make yourself a priority at the end of the day, man. Like 100%. You sit there at, at where you train and you're helping all these athletes and you're there constantly. You got to see something different mentally 100%. for yourself so that you can lock in and say, Hey, like now I'm here and it's no one's around. I don't have to worry about someone asking me to do this or help me with this. And this is something that I was just talking about with someone. You got to really focus on like, Okay, you have those thoughts. How can I really, really like decompress and really be active in my recovery mentally? Mm. Not just sit there and kind of sit on the couch, watch TV. I got to like really lock in on, okay, like the ERP therapy. I just started that literally just recently. Good. And like you throw yourselves into situations um, and you got to work purposely being uncomfortable. Exactly. That's what I mean. You know, it's crazy because when people talk, think, when I say I went to therapy and I, and I, t- you know, I'm a very, very big um, advocate for medication, for finding the right medication that works for the yes. individual and, yep. and the med- the combination of medication and therapy, but ERP exposure response therapy for people that are listening is the gold standard for, for obsessive compulsive disorder. And it puts mm-hmm. you into these situations where you literally are facing your biggest fear. You're facing absolute debilitating anxiety so that you break that obsessive compulsive cycle. And so people, when I say I go to therapy, they're like, Oh, like, so you lay down like goodwill hunting and talk about your feelings. I'm like, no, dude, I do do like active exposure response where I'm like, I have to do it. I have to do a task and resist my compulsion. And then I have to sit with anxiety for like 45 minutes. And your distress level is through the freaking roof. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, and you almost like feel like, crap but you're you you do not realize it's like you're getting better you know what i mean and people don't understand that like even your recovery with erp therapy is like even sometimes worse than what you deal with on a daily basis because you're like really throwing yourself into the fire so 100%. that's like that's like for me in college like i used to sit there four days before a game and literally be like i couldn't breathe in my room four days before a game because i'm so nervous about what's about to happen at saint john fisher on friday <laughs> at six o'clock it's Tuesday and I have class in 13 minutes. Oh my God. And I'm sitting here in the hallway and I'm like, I can't even breathe because I'm right. so worried about what's going on. You know what yeah. I mean? And then eventually you learn, like, I got to be able to sit there on Tuesday and be okay with what's going to happen on Friday. Right. So, so for you, just, you, for you, what was rock bottom? What did, what did rock bottom look like for you? 
Um, I would say college, like I said, college was probably the toughest time for me because yeah. I was all by myself. Like I had to figure this out all by myself. Did I do calls with some some sports guys and psychologists, stuff like that? Yeah, but I had nobody really in front of me. So it was yeah. you're out at Alpha University for people that know that's literally in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Um, and you have nothing to do but for me, play basketball <laughs> right. and work out. So rock bottom for me was I got to probably my, I think it was my sophomore year. And because I knew how capable I was and it wasn't really like showing for me, I got to the point where I was like, well, if I'm going to put in all this time and it's not going to show, like, I don't know, man, like it just, it got to the point mentally where I was literally in a space where I was doing something that I had always loved. And it was literally making, it was controlling my life. Right. Like I would go home and I would be miserable. I would go to class. I would be miserable. I would go to practice. I mean, so just because of basketball and I couldn't literally go to a space like basketball is supposed to be the place where I feel good, where I'm enjoying stuff. This is what right. I love to do. Right. And I was going and throwing myself in there just because I like had loved it. But I was really like, I was going to quit, man. Like I called my parents. Mm -hmm. I was on the phone with them. I'm like, listen, I really don't know if I can do this anymore because I For literally sure. don't know with all the emotion and the things that run through my body on a daily basis. Is it worth it? I don't even know. Like, I think that this is really hurting myself as a person. Right. And and you see like a lot of players do that now with like in football, for example, you get like head injuries and they're like, I need to yeah. take my stuff away because I need to be able to function the rest of my life. And I literally got to a point where I was like scared, man. Like I was yeah. scared for my, my own well being because you, you get into these, thought realms and processes where it's like okay if i'm doing something that i've loved for so long and i can't find joy in this what am i what am i like like i hate to say this because it's very like living for right and and that's when like i was never to the point where i was like okay i'm gonna end things or i'm gonna be suicide but i had I, with ocd you have thoughts that creep into your head that you don't want to creep into your head for sure they're all they're so, all unwanted intrusive thoughts so these thoughts started coming into my head and i never really was like i'm going to but my thoughts they cycled through that that nature man like i was like i don't know what i'm doing like i don't know if i really want to do this anymore because this is not fun it's taking away from literally the thing that i look forward to every single day mm -hmm. so if i don't have that man what am i doing right for you sure. know, and, and it was so hard for me, man. Like I was in my dorm room and I, I mean, I could talk for 45 more minutes about the things that I used <laughs> no, to sit for sure. there. Well, we're going to have to do a part two for sure. Yeah. I, but I sit there in my dorm room, like, like I told you four days before a game, I'm trying to find a way by myself in a, in a room that you can imagine a dorm room, the size of a dorm room. Right. You're looking out the window. It's what I can't find a way to literally sit by myself and relax Yeah. for anytime so i'm literally like i'll give you an example i would go and take a shower turn the lights off light a candle and sit there for hours before i could literally slow my breathing down mm -hmm. i couldn't mm -hmm. even slow my breathing down so i'm like if i can't slow my breathing down just sitting here as a human being what am i going to do when i get into a high pressure situation when i'm on the floor right right you know what i mean and that's where it was like i can't even function as a human being so maybe i need to take a step back i need to figure this out as a human being and then I can go back and I can reattack like what I want to do. But for me, like it was, so, I was so obsessed and I still am to a certain point, but I was so obsessed at that point in my life with basketball that there was no, I can't step out. I'm not quitting now. Mm. I put in too much time in. So I kind of was like, 
it's you see my career on the surface. People see this career on the surface of for sure. 27-0 senior year at Scotia, you win the state championship, number one team in the in, in the state. You go to college, you win the first, the school's first ever conference championship. You're the MVP, you score a thousand points. I my battle in in those eight years, I couldn't even put it. And yep. this is why I'm so confident in myself now, because for sure, if I can get through something like that where on a daily basis, I'm not only fighting against other people to to get spots and and play against. I'm literally fighting against myself. Mm-hmm. So to put it into into a small thing for everybody to understand, you're literally doing the work that normal person does, and you're doubling it. Right. Everything is so much harder to get through. Right. And you're exhausted after all of it because you're not only fighting what you think everybody else is fighting, but you're also fighting your own like battle in within yourself. So that's why, like, I got to the end of my career and I was so, like, satisfied. I was on my high horse. Like, I got through some of literally the toughest times I couldn't even describe to people. Like, for like sure. I said, I could go on for another 45 yeah, minutes about no stuff I've gone. But it's like, no it's just, it's unbelievable to to now look back and say, like, I got through that. I don't even yeah. know how. But yeah. that was rock bottom for me. I was literally about to quit the sport I love. I was depressed. Suicidal thoughts going through your mind. Like, am I really, really like, what's the purpose of me being here? And now, like, that's why I take this basketball training so serious, man, because there's so many people that want to be good at, at what they do. So be able to not only give them advice with the game, but mentally, too. It's so important to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fulfilling, too. I mean, yeah. it's it's tiring, no doubt. I mean, like, I wouldn't lie and say I'm always energized and I always feel great and always 100 percent. But, you know, what the, the line of work that we're doing is is pure servant leadership, right? We're, we're giving to where we are there to, to do one thing and that's literally help somebody improve. Yep. And so, um, you know, I think we, we can be, uh, you know, instruments of, of that, that change that we need to see, um, in athletics is, mm-hmm. is, uh, is, is coming because we have people like ourselves and like other advocates in my task force for exciting athletes, like, other people, you know, NBA players coming out, NFL players coming out, just more and more people that talk about mental health. And the more and more we see this kind of talk, the better we're the better we're going to be for it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's 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 huge, man. It's, like you said, super fulfilling, super yeah. fulfilling to be able to help somebody in any little small way, because for me, like the approach I take to it is, is I was always the person that grew up and wanted somebody to talk to through all this stuff. And I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I ever had, I would go to my parents, but my parents didn't even understand it. Right. So like, I always wanted someone to be able to like, not talk about just basketball, but like Mm -hmm. mentally what I go through. So that's what I try to be. Not only as a basketball trainer is just someone that these, these athletes that can come to on a daily basis, they have something to talk to or they want to talk about something, man. Like, I don't care what it is. I'm all ears, man. Yeah. Text exactly. me, call me. You want to have a conversation? I'm here. I've had, yeah. and it's crazy. I've had multiple people reach out to me after I've kind of offered that out on like social media. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk to you for 45 minutes about like what I'm going through. Yeah. And I'm sweet. sitting there in, within the conversation going like, why are they calling me? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm the one giving this person advice. I was literally at a point where I was about to quit. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's just like yeah. it, it, the phone call ends and it hang up and you're like, this is my purpose, man. Like, yeah, this is for why sure. I do what I do. Yeah. I mean, I always say, um, you know, passion can burn out, but purpose kind of lasts forever, you it's know? And I think um, there's, there's a big difference between passion and purpose and Huge. finding your life's purpose is, is a light. It can be a lifelong journey for some and 
for some, they find it early on and, and, and it evolves along the way. And I think, um, you know, that's, what's kind of happened for you. So Absolutely. thanks again for coming on, you know, we'll, we'll share your socials. Um, and we'll, uh, so people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, but you know, thanks for, for coming on to share your story. I mean, this is important stuff you're doing and, and, and work that we, we need to get done. So I, I appreciate it. Right back at you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you.